Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of Level Up, 60 minutes of live Q&A, where your questions and votes really do drive the show. Use the Slido link that we'll post in the chat to vote up the questions that you most want answered. And of course, to add in some of your own as well. Level Up is live on Mondays at 8 and Fridays at 2 p.m. UK time, live streamed to both YouTube and LinkedIn simultaneously. And you can find out much more about what we do by visiting apmg-international.com, which is our website. The whole show is driven by you, so please do get your questions in and then the panel will be able to address them. Our panel for today is one of our most experienced with every person having been on previous shows. So let's jump in, in straight away and meet them. Uh, Johan Bota is a digital change provocateur and the CEO over at Get It Right. Johan is also the architect of Agile Adapt. And you can find out much more about that on his regular live streams. So welcome, Johan. Great to see you. Thanks, Nick. It's great to be back again. Looking forward to the show. Perfect. Okay, Stefan Brendel actually leads APMG's teams in both Europe and Latin America and has a strong background in both business relationship management and, of course, IT service management, the focus topic of our today's show. So you can also follow him on YouTube. Um, He's on our YouTube channel where he hosts shows in both English and in his native German language. Welcome, Stefan. Thanks, Nick. And um, hello to all listening here. It's great to be back. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. Another seasoned YouTuber now is uh, Suresh, Suresh GP. He's the Managing Director at Torb Solutions. He's had an unrivaled career, I think it's fair to say, in helping organizations embrace and implement IT service management. Um, You can follow him on YouTube with his own insightful, uh, I think it's the Brown Bag series, actually, which is really good, short, insightful little segments of thoughts and um, ideas for you to be able to implement. Welcome back, Suresh. Thanks, Nick. Pleasure to be here again amidst this audience. Looking forward. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Sunil Mehta leads the team at Quint Consulting Services over in India. And and he actually established Quint India in 2004, which seems an awfully long time ago now. It's built up and up and up to where it is today. So very well done with all of that, Sunil. He's worked also for some of the global giants of IT in his professional career. So welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Looking forward to participate and learn from the esteemed audience and the panelists. Excellent. Thank you very much. Mark Smalley returns to our panel today. Mark helps teams and organizations to discover both where they are and to visualize where they want to be. His sessions are always creative, always purposeful, always insightful. So welcome back, Mark. Really great to see you again. Yeah, thanks very much, Nick. Uh, Joining you, uh, as usual, from my place just south of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Lovely. Thank you very much. And um, a little gift from uh, Great Britain to the the people of uh, the Netherlands. Every day is terrible weather. (laughs) The weather arrives in the UK and then a day later it arrives in the Netherlands. So on behalf of our whole nation, I apologise to you for the stormy conditions. Apologies accepted. Okay, all right, very good. So look, everybody, a warm welcome to you. You are watching us. You are our producers. You determine what it is that we talk about. And um, of course, if you feel that you could answer some of the questions uh, raised, then just volunteer in the chat and one of the team will be in touch with you uh, 
to welcome you on to a show in the future. Our question master for today is Sachitra Jacob, and she is joining us from Bangalore in India. So welcome, Sachitra, and please may we have our first question. Hello, everyone. Question from Rachel in Brisbane. How can our IT department more fully engage with the business to better deliver business value? Do you have any guidance? Okay, it's a perennial kind of question, really, isn't it? Suresh, why don't you start off and then we'll go to Mark next. Well, I know that we are talking about IT service management, but I'm just tempted to talk about business relationship management because one of the fundamental focus is IT should never be an order taker. How can we become a strategic partner and we focus on convergence? So one of the things that I would recommend by with my own experience helping organizations is to look at business relationship management as a capability, as a discipline and a body of knowledge that will help people to understand how they can have those steps focused to become strategic partners where they can be more engaged and get a seat at the table. Thank you very much indeed. Mark? Uh, certainly, uh, certainly un um, uh, underscore what Suresh said, but on a practical level, talk to each other more often. Uh, visit the visit where people are actually working, show some interest, be curious, uh, develop informal relationships as well, which are extremely valuable. Um, any, any excuse to engage, physical, you know, Obviously, we're sometimes limited uh, with the ability to have physical contact. But if you can, it makes so much difference. Okay, excellent advice. Thank you very much. Uh, Stefan, your thoughts, please. Well, I absolutely agree with Suresh. And um, be an order taker, and this is the problem. Let me explain that why. When ITIL was uh, start, started with, let's say, version two or three, imagine it's like a bowl. And um, they were putting a couple of holes in, calling them an interface to the customer. So that doesn't get you out of the role of an order taker. And that's why I think business relationship management actually is the practical advice, because they just ignore that whole bowl thing and that whole interface thing. It is rightly, as Mark said, it is about engaging with people, visiting them, but it is an organizational context. It's not just about make friends in organizations. It's really a strategic approach. Okay, thank you very much indeed. And Johan? I think management needs to be a little bit more proactive and create opportunities where we can work as cross-functional teams. Um, and, and the emphasis is work as cross-functional teams, not, not settings. Yeah, completely agree with that. I'll come back to that in a moment, if I may. Um, Sunil, your thoughts, please. Uh, I agree with, obviously, all the speakers. One more thing is now IT has the seat on the table in most setups. So uh, we need to be very transparent, be very business, use the business language, and don't confuse the IT is uh, used to setting their own vocabulary, their own setups. So use the business language. You know, be transparent and work with them, engage with them to kind of show the impact that we've created or the IT has created over time. I would say that way, I think in the long run, the engagement would be much more collaborative rather than one trying to push in the changes in a, in a, in a business environment. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with with all of that. Thank you very much, panel. It comes from the top. It's all about culture, really, and you know, allowing um, folks to be able to innovate and share ideas across functional boundaries. And the more that we work together as one team, as one large team, uh, cross-functionally, um, in alignment with the business strategy, then the better off we are all going to be. And of course, a huge uh, change, I think, in the maturity of uh, most people in terms of their understanding of what uh, operational IT actually is all about um, these days. So very, very different indeed, but a great question to get us going. So thank you very much indeed, uh, Rachel. Let's move on, Suchitra, and we'll take our next question. Question from Akshay in India. Can service management be applied in areas beyond IT? Johan and then Stefan. It's not could, it's must. <laughs> um, in fact, service management didn't originate in IT. Um, the business is about creating value for our customers um, and the service package that goes around that. Um, so we, we need to, to cross those boundaries and, and stop being silly with, with these silos that we create. Thank you very much, Stefan and Sunil. Well, service management is about always to have a reason why you do IT. And it's like Johan says, it's coming from the business. Uh, but it can even go further. And there are already examples where, where the principles of IT service management um, <clears throat> have been used. I remember a very old example was the um, controlling the Dutch traffic lights in the Netherlands using incident problem management, which is uh, by far the, still the most used principles there. Uh, so it cannot be, I agree, it should be, it has to be um, applied in areas beyond IT. Otherwise, what's the reason for service management to exist? Okay, thank you very much. And Sunil, final thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I, very good question. Uh, we are currently engaged with a security agency, that's my personal experience, where we are working with cameras, boom barriers, you know, assets which we are not used to in ITIL or service management. We're mostly used to the infra. And, they, and they're using the same tool, and it's amazing the way they're able to show impact, like what Johan was trying to say, adding value. So if a, maybe a camera goes down, it's being logged and in the same service management tool, failure. And obviously, there's a classification, it goes back. So I see suddenly a company, not a pure play IT setup, using some the way it's supposed to be, and it's giving almost the same kind of result. So definitely, it is a must uh, to show more value and show that it's more service management and not IT service management. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much indeed, panel. Some great thoughts um, there for our second question. Now, if you're watching us online and you'd like to put a question to the panel, it's really super easy. Just type it into the chat, okay? And uh, then we'll pick it up and one of the team will bring it into slido for you or you can hop across to slido.com and type it in directly yourselves the number and the qr code are on the screen so Chitra, let's move on we'll take our next question question from steve in the uk since idle 4 i'm missing the practical guidance i found in previous versions are alternatives like it for it fit sm or usm any better Okay, well, they're certainly different, all of those, and um, each shares a different kind of concept, I would imagine. Um, Suresh, why don't you start us off, and then we'll go to Sunil. 
So I think we'll start with some of the basics, right? Before we get into what new framework we've got, what practical guidance, let's first leverage what is already available. So with Title IV, there is a supplementary guidance that has been provided as part of um, all the modules. So that's a good starting point to look at. The other part that I think is important is to understand a little more about value stream management. People, I when I talk with a lot of people, they struggle to talk about value chains and value streams. So IT for IT is a, is a very good um, uh, framework towards focusing on Porter's value chains. So that's a good way to start with. But I think leverage what is already available as part of your supplementary guidance rather than searching in all over the place. So let's leverage what is already available and then move on from there. Thank you very much. Uh, Sunil and then Mark. Yeah, since it's title specific, uh, the last version, apart from four, came in 2008. So obviously what Suresh is saying, over time, people really created best practices also to implement the best way. Title four is the supplementary guide is giving you a base guidance, but you need to add what you are looking for. Not used to go to the level five maturity or knighthood, right? And all the other best practices, the PITSM is also a good practice to look at service as a tool or service as a as a you know implementation from a business point of view. So I would say that there is experience available within people. There are guides available, uh, and obviously collaborate with the industry to figure out what best would fit in uh, you know your organization and your industry. Okay, thank you very much um, indeed. Uh, Mark and then Stefan. Uh, the, um, uh, Steve's comment, I think, has is, is, is been leveled at the foundation guidance. I recognize that. Uh, just pointing out that the more practical guidance, I think that's what you might have meant with supplementary guidance. The practice guides is where you find more specific guidance. So in the ITIL 4 context, look at this practice guides. Okay, thank you. Good advice um, there. And uh, Stefan, please. I think the um, the reasons why they why other frameworks have have been established by communities around ITIL or in as an alternative to ITIL is the reason um, is that the practical guidance uh, absolutely is missing. And if you look at that, I mean, even if you look at what we spoke earlier before on business relationship management. Um, it is recommended, I think, about 14 times in the Idle 4 books, but it doesn't tell you what to do. It's the typical, you should have it, but it's, it's missing what to do. That's why we have the Business Relationship Management Institute and that guidance, which is practical. And that's the real point. That's why all these, <clears throat> and it's just a few. I mean, I, I recommend uh, Unified Service Management, SM, they all have been developed out of, of the need for some practical guidance. Right. And I think from from the perspective, uh, from, from my perspective, certainly, you know, early in my career coincided with the era in which um, organizations were starting to adopt, you know, kind of common methods, if you like, around service management. And um, so much of that now has been baked into the software you know, that we all use in order to be able to run our businesses, that explicitly it's a little different. And what you might need to learn as a professional to kind of break into IT service management, but to build a career around, 
you know, the use of IT in business is a little different now to what it was before. Certainly things like unified service management, which is listed there in the question, is um, something to consider. It, it's a way of bringing disparate ways of doing service management together. Um, FitSM, we might talk a little bit more about later on. I, I'm less familiar with IT for IT. Um, uh, in terms of a specialism, but I'm sure that we'll get back to that soon. So great question. Thank you very much indeed. Sachitra, let's move on and we'll take our next question. Question from our panelist, Mark. Why should I be interested in ITSM in the first place? Well, you know, that's a great question, Mark. Thank you very much for raising it. Um, let's kind of whiz around a little bit because some of us have built careers as specialists in service management, in a way, that was the bulk of our career, if you like. And others use it as a stepping stone now before specialising in something else. So um, short answers, if we can, panel. Sunil, we'll come to you first. Why should anyone be interested in ITSM? Okay, quickly, I started with ITSM since 1999, uh, and, and we're still at probably very similar levels on management. According to me, service management is the base, is the foundation for whatever we're doing. If our infrastructure, our apps are able to run to capacity, right? That's what we're trying to do, 100% utilization of capacity, which is 100% availability. We're able to actually do other things. So all other practices that we build on top, whether we talk about agile, we talk about lean IT, we talk about DevOps, now we talk about digital transformation, we'll only be able to survive if the base works. So, you know, for the last... Okay. 25 years, I think we've been working to just make the base work and service management and ITSM fits in there. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. A firm foundation then. Uh, Suresh, your thoughts, please. It's all about service at the end of the day. Whatever we buy product or things, it's all boils down to service where actual value is realized. So for me, I think when I started, the whole point of fit for purpose and fit for use, that utility and warranty has stayed permanently in my life. So that was the hallmark of what we will apply in all walks. So I'm glad that I got it much earlier in my life cycle. Okay, all right. And I would echo that as well, because I think those, you know, people in the early days when they got together, you know, before all of the commercialization of this stuff, you know, they got together and they just shared, okay, how, how do you mess? How do you make it better? How do you actually make right. it better? And, uh, you know, they sat in rooms and special interest groups and wrote things down and shared them at conferences. And that's kind of how most leading practice kind of begins, you know, from a community angle. And uh, um, so, yeah, great answers. Um, uh, anybody else like to contribute as to why? I suppose while you're thinking about that, my, my view would be because um, it, it's a great place to begin it, it will give you that foundation as Suresh was saying as Sunil was saying you know that baseline from which you can build um, and uh, not necessarily to have you know not everybody is going to have a career to become a deep expert in service management um, but it's a great thing to have a grounding in before you move on to specialize in something else. Um, Mark you raised the question did you have anything in particular in mind? Well, not really, not specifically, but it's it's just a nice place to be. It's a very, uh, very engaging community, I've found. Um, just adding on to what uh, what Suresh said about, he talk, spoke about uh, utility and warranty, fitness for purpose uh, and fitness for use. I In one of the recent ITIL books, I introduced the term fitness for feelings. I think it was 
sort of seeing, look, looking at the experience, the empathy part of engaging with users. I think that's uh, that, that's a fascinating area that we should work on a bit more. You're dealing with real people. Absolutely. That's, that's good fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. And a lot of work is going into, you know, the uh, measurement actually of the emotional uh, dimensions of decision making and, you know, how to engage people in change journeys and, you know, how to delight customers in their customer experience and so on. So we'll probably come back to that on a later show. Great question, though. Thank you very much indeed, um, Mark. Suchitra, let's move on and we'll take the next question, please. Question from Luke Matthew in Dubai. How does ITSM fit into the digital transformation journey in organization? Okay, Mark, first, please. Uh, uh, question of semantics. Uh, so it's a dangerous, dangerous topic to, in, to interpreting these terms, but uh, digital transformation of what? You're usually talking about transformation of part of the business, uh, doing things significantly differently, doing significantly different things because technology enables you to do that. That does not necessarily mean that you need to change your IT function. It could be just doing different things with IT. But it often implies IT transformation as well. So it's not really the digital transformation part, but it's what it implies. And it's, um, it's often a question of, of going from alignment of two separate entities to more converged, where business and IT converge into small product teams. That's an, an example of, of a consequence that the higher demands place on IT. Thank you. Um, Johan, you work in this space a great deal. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest challenges that organizations has got is that as we start changing the organization, because remember, digital transformation actually is organizational transformation. Quite often, our old ways of work may stand in the way of the new things that we're trying to achieve. So there must be this sensitivity that we don't use rigid approaches that actually stops us from actually getting the benefit that we want to get. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Um, Sunil? Well, I'll, I'll extend what uh, earlier been said. It's, a, it's an organization transformation. The way we change is very critical, uh, right? So uh, we want agility in the way we do business. We have innovation coming in in the digital transformation. How does IT support that? And that's where ITSM comes in with their, I would say, strong processes uh, background. So how can I make change agile? How can I make it very innovative? How can I do incident management, problem management, all the other practices that we talked about in a way that my stability of IT is maintained, right? Uh, and I would say ITSM really fits in, and, and not just ITSM, any other practice, any you know, of IT service management, whether it's ITIL or FITSM, would really fit in beautifully when we are trying to transform the organization and get our base right. Okay, thank you very much. I think it is very much a double-edged sword. You know, and um, you have situations where sometimes, you know, having strong processes are a key enabler, um, particularly in the areas of things like governance. But also you, you have a situation now where, you know, IT is democratized and uh, individual contributors, if, if processes are too locked down, will simply find a way. It's like water 
seeping through a flat roof of a building. At first, it appears watertight. Over time, it's not at all. And that water will find a way. It will penetrate. It will find a way round and go through and so on. And a lot then uh, comes of trying to regain the very governance that you were trying to ensure in the first place as you go back to uh, hoover up all of these little innovations and uh, non-official ways of doing things that the business has actually found uh, uh, and adopted themselves. So cautious. And that's why, I think that's absolutely why the panel were talking earlier about this relationship and, and getting that maturity up you know, much higher uh, than it used to be in the past where IT was the servant, you know, the service provider, if you like. Now it needs to step up and be that strategic partner. Very good. Um, I can see that we're starting to get some live questions in from our audience. So thank you very much indeed. Suchitra, let's move on, please. We'll take our next question. Yes, we have a live question from Sara Asan. Can you please share some success stories, what it means to each one of the panelists and how manageable it is in relation to burnout? Okay, wow. So we've got kind of three questions in one there, really. Let's start um, off with some service management success stories. Now, remember that the whole focus of this show is how do you break into service management? Okay, so where is service management a success story within that context? Who'd like to kind of share something from their past? Johan, go ahead, please. Okay, so um, let me tell you a little story about um, an engagement that I had while ago it manager really upset business threatening to outsource everything um asked us to come and look at the way that they do things technically um and very quickly we realized technically there's nothing wrong um but when we started looking at the way people respond and do things within the environment although they have many of these processes it wasn't very people focused um, we realized there is the problem. We changed that, and all of a sudden, everybody is happy with IT. And that basically is a team of 15 people that didn't lose their jobs. I think that's worth it. Thank you very much indeed. Stefan? Maybe goes back 15 years uh, when there were still IT departments, uh, and, um, and, and, and the, the big sword. Lying over them, Damocles' word was the, the being outsourced, and being outsourced uh, at that time meant um, you um, you just take over the people, you you add the assets, and multiply this with x, and then divide by, by epsilon, and that's it, and that's the deal. And the IT departments were afraid of this. And one way out, and I remember there was was a really large project I've been in, was well make yourself transparent because the, the thinking was. If I'm not transparent, they can't outsource. So, well, the opposite is true. They outsource you because you're not transparent. So, become transparent. They became transparent, haven't been outsourced. They implemented service management. It needed that additional pressure from the outside um, to actually make them better. I found this was a great success story uh, because it, it gained much more acceptance uh, from from the uh, from the board of that company. Uh, much more flexibility. Uh, they they tied much more together with the business. They did not use necessarily idle. They used a lot of other things, which didn't even have a name. Probably even agile uh, methods. And I found that a very great success story. 
Excellent. Thank you very much, Adi. So two really interesting, very different success stories there. I want now to flip it over to the second part, really, of uh, this question, which is more more to do with kind of the pace of change and burnout and bringing people with you and so on. Because um, if, if nothing else, uh, the rate of change has accelerated considerably and continues to do so um, all around the world in every industry. Um, Suresh, I know that you've worked a lot in this kind of area and supporting organizations, you know, you remain agile. And that means this kind of constant change life cycle kind of going on. Um, what are your thoughts? How can you achieve that? I think that's a very important question, uh, Nick. One of the things I think we need to take a step back is about mental health and well-being. Today with this pandemic, we have seen um, a lot more pressure towards handling and coping up with changes. So we need to be very sensitive towards people um, ability to have think tank time. So in my earlier experience of managing a large-scale operations team, they are working 24 cross 7, 365 days, and they really don't have think tank time. They've been constantly looking at firefighting uh, of things, and which puts people into a, a bad shape. And a lot of times, um, burnout comes as a last resort. Um, and what we have seen and it is important is to have this one-on-one conversation with your teams to take some free time for themselves and for their personal time. Because as important as their productivity of the work, getting time off and having good sleep has been very important. So we insisted on 987 rule. Nine hours of work, eight hours of sleep, and seven hours with family and friends. I think this is simple, but it's very important if they don't get that level of adequate sleep and time with their family and friends, it's not going to be really worth it. So as a leader, you always ought to think from your um, people's perspective, making them feel good about things. When they feel good about themselves, they actually contribute well. So it's a very important area that we need to chime in and give people resources to adapt to change. Because most of the times we don't address this question of what is in for me. So if you don't address this question of what is in for me, they are not going to be onboarded just because the change leader is on board. So um, the organizational change management and understanding the cultural norms are super important for it to be done. And it's a great topic that we can talk ours, but it's important. Okay, very good. Thank you very much indeed. Totally agree with all of that. Mark, um, your thoughts just briefly before we move on. It often helps if you can give things a name. And people in the industry often talk about cognitive load as a as a topic. But being aware of how much yeah, how much mental effort is involved in work, and giving people headroom, certainly when you have to make continuous improvements, as we do when things are changing. Don't give people headroom and this is a management challenge and nothing will happen. It's absolutely true. And it's something that we're acutely aware of at APMG. And that's one of the reasons why on Level Up, you never see us using virtual backgrounds. It's one of the things that causes excessive cognitive load as people fade in and out, as their ears disappear. (laughs) behind the virtual screens and all of this kind of thing. So if you can, if you want to help your colleagues, it's a really simple tip, all right? Switch off your virtual backgrounds, improve your audio, go out and instead of buying a new shirt or a new suit uh, or a new dress, go out and buy a proper microphone and people can hear you 
with your natural speech. You know, um, human beings are tuned to listen into a particular spectrum. And if you improve your audio for people, even more than your video, that will help them out tremendously. So great advice. And thank you, Mark, for bringing in the proper term, cognitive load. Excellent. Thank you very much. So we're going to change gears a little, if I may. I just want to invite Stefan Brendel to explore a couple of aspects um, with me. Um, and I, I want to look at the changing landscape, really, Stefan, if I may. Okay, Both, both of our careers have spanned a number of decades. Now, and, uh, I guess back in the late 1990s, when you know I was pretty early on in, in my career, IT departments, organisations, and so on, they tended to adopt you know one framework, manage their service delivery with that. And I think since then, it's fair to say, and the panels agreed that that's grown ever more with more and more content being added. Do you think is it is it really still suitable for what our IT organisations are, are looking for today? Well, going back in the, I think Sunil mentioned earlier that he started in 91, and I think that's about the time when when people were discovering that the UK government had had a book, or several books, about how to organize IT. That was the key point at that time. IT was not organized. IT was technology, but not organized. So the, the idle framework at that time was really the only solution or a possible solution to do that. To, uh, to bring chaos into structure, we put it this way. And the reason was because it was very practical. It had very practical guidance in how to <clears throat> differentiate between an incident and a problem and why it's important uh, to distinguish between the two. But since then, since then, um, the organizations have changed. <clears throat> so, I mean, you might still find companies that have an IT department, like I said earlier. Um, this is now out-clouded or outsourced or out-tasked, and you have all kinds of animals of expressions for that. Um, and so to have one framework that suits all, I think that's, that's almost impossible. So parts of the, of the great of, of, the, of the large idle framework might be just used by IT providers, by outsourcers, by cloud companies, uh, other areas, which is what is left which is managing contracts or very often doing business relationship management. Because what we found all over these years, probably since the 90s, is incident and problem management and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, that has been applied. All the other disciplines in ITIL have, in the end, been wishful thinking and kind of a blueprint, but not really ever adopted. So that's the, that's how the I see it. And, and kind of... So that where I'm taking this, I'm, as you know, Nick, um, I'm not just been in that area. I'm also board member of ITSMF. So we, we, I'm also listening to what our members say. And these are members, um, um, it's just like Bosch or Deutsche Telekom. So it's, it's also large companies, not just smart companies. And we're really seeing that landscape changing. Thank you very much. So, would you say now that as service management has matured, this is the era for bringing in more, I don't know, you know, more niche, more tailored, you know, perhaps smaller models in order for organizations to be able to build, you know, their unique value proposition around delivering better service management? Well, 
I think we had we covered some of those topics already uh, this uh, today. Um, that, that business is striving. So business is IT. This is the first lesson to learn. And this is what Idle never did. Uh, Idle was here's the IT and there is the business. And we have to align. We have to understand all that, right? Because you're not part of that. That's why. Um, so that is happening, and uh, there are smaller frameworks indeed. Uh, have appeared on the market because because the idle framework has just been overloaded. It's completely overloaded. It has a lot of lot of nice theories and good thinking, but it doesn't give the guidance anymore. Uh, that's what we're hearing. Um, to be to be fair, within ITSMF, members were leaving us because we weren't too much focusing on idle, um, and that was actually the organizational members. And other members um, were threatening us to leave uh, because we were not concentrating only on idle. And guess who they were? Well, they were the training companies who were making the money out of out of uh, selling idle trainings. Yeah. So we had to find a balance um, and listen more carefully to these organizations. Actually, we're now ignoring rather the training companies and look for those really adopting and applying service management. And they're telling us about other frameworks. They're telling us about what they really need, so what they that they have DevOps teams now, and DevOps teams are struggling with uh, with a very strict, consistent, organized service management um, because of uh, time, time to apply things, time to go to market, and that is all changed. Very good. So, last question now is really in terms of the specifics. Then, so if I'm early career um, and I'm thinking about service management. Um, Outside of, you know, the ITIL landscape, what are the alternatives that I should be considering? Well, a few have been mentioned. IT for IT probably is one. Uh, if you're early in the career, you might look at DevOps. Well, although DevOps is rather coming from a software development um, perspective uh, or agile coming from a project management perspective. Um, one of those that have um, that that I see that we support from ITSMF and obviously also um, from APMG is FITSM, which has been uh, actually funded by the European Commission. Uh, so it has it has a little bit of that open source government support that Idle has completely lost since it has been privatized, or the government support has gone, which was always, uh, as far as we know, um, a big factor for people. That there was some kind of government support behind it, some kind of public support, which is now gone. Um, so that's why some people actually said this: we were rather looking after that, um, or like the open group with uh, with IT for IT. Um, there's unified service management, which is not the same. It's not a replacement of ITIL or of FitSM or other frameworks. Um, but what they're doing, what what I can see in in FitSM, it's actually it's using lean principles. And that's what all companies, what all organizations are keen for these days, is doing things more lean, reducing waste, uh, reducing overhead, uh, which brings things together, which makes things faster. And that's what we can see. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Stefan. Some quite 
uh, thought-provoking ideas there and uh, concepts for, for people to get their heads around. And I think really useful if you are early career and looking to break into the world of service management. So very good. Uh, let's go back to our panel. And, and just on that theme, actually, it'd be great now to focus in on our last you know 15 minutes or so together on those early career folks who are out there looking for advice and guidance about how to break in to the world of um, service management. Um, so, Suchitra, uh, let's take a question on that theme, please. Question from Pauline in Liverpool, UK. Will ITIL get me a job? It's quite an interesting question, Pauline. So, uh, Johan first and then Suresh. The reality is most probably yes, because the, um, the, the, the way that automated um, personnel systems work is that there are certain prerequisites that company says that, that you must have. And if you don't have those, then clearly you're not going to you know, advance to the next level. Um, I think a more appropriate question is if ITIL only will keep me my job. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Good, good thought there. Uh, Suresh, please. So what... One thing we are doing currently is for a company who has recruited all freshers and they're, and they're doing internship. So the caveat is the people should be trained and certified on ITIL to get us employment. So I'm saying a live example of you have to have an ITIL certificate to get a job. So that is my two pointers. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Certainly was the case during the strong outsourcing era that uh, pretty much nobody would uh, you know, touch uh, an IT set of systems who, who wasn't actually, uh, had gone through ITIL Foundation. I think that is changing quite a lot now, actually. And um, the consideration really is about that understanding of service management. Um, panel's absolutely right in that e-recruitment does pick up certain keywords and so on. So I think it's important when you're updating your electronic CV that you use all of the hashtags and the terms, just as you would do on social media, to be able to make sure that the uh, electronic machine learning engines that are scouring your CV pick up all of the right tags associated with your qualifications and your aptitude to do things. Um, so very good. Let's move on, if we can do, please. Um, Suchitra, we'll take the next question. Question from David in Brisbane. How much technical knowledge is required to work in IT service management. Right. You certainly need an empathy for technology. Um, Stefan, start us off, then we'll go to Sunil. I don't think that um, <clears throat> that it's really all about technical knowledge. It really isn't. It's about organizational um, change. So you need to know technical knowledge. No, you're not, not when, you, when you're a service manager. I don't think so. No. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Sunil? Well, I will break this into three parts. One is the process knowledge. That is what uh, service management will talk about. The second is the automation knowledge, which is where probably if you have some knowledge on technology would definitely help. And the third we earlier talked about is the soft skills. So I would say it's not a necessary, but it is kind of advantages if you have some technical knowledge to kind of talk end to end. 
Yeah, and I, I think that this is quite interesting because how we use the phrase, te- you know, what is technical knowledge, all right, can be technically around, you know, how service management works. It can be about the software. It can be about servers. It can be about hardware. It can be about networks. It can be about a whole range of different things. So you do need an empathy. If you are going to be a really good, you know, service management um, uh, professional, you're going to need an empathy for a whole range of technologies, the breadth and depth of which you will never master, Okay. And that's why so many folks start off with service management as a foundation and then they go on, okay, to specialize in something else because it's that T-shaped set of skills and experience that they're really looking for. Um, If you're early career, it's a great place to begin that and uh, use it as a stepping stone towards that specialization. Um, So Chitra, let's move on, please. Thank you, panel. Question from Mark. What kind of roles are available in ITSM? Okay, so the roles and responsibilities within service management. Um, Sunil, go ahead. I just did a scan on Shine and a couple of other. I had about 45,000 hits on ITSM. uh, And the roles range from the basic service management to service management manager to incident to, in fact, I I haven't seen so many roles. 120 roles is what I could see. So... It's amazing. Uh, and as we move towards the new era of innovation, I see new and new roles getting added. Uh, Suresh talked about BRM. So I think there's a lot of stuff happening there. Uh, customer success stories, customer success managers. I see new roles getting added. So um, it's amazing. Just go and search and you'll get an amazing lot of stuff happening on the, on the net. Johan? Quite rightly so, there's tons of these roles out there. But I think if, you, if you're looking for an opportunity in organization, that's probably one of the skills that, that's, that's sorely needed is the ability to solve problems. Um, and, and, and that's about understanding context, number one. And I actually do disagree a little bit. I think it's, it's good if you've got fairly solid technical knowledge. Um, because that will help you to to be able to put out the fires permanently, or actually to install uh, fireproof systems rather than putting out fires. Okay, all right. Thank you very much indeed. So some great advice uh, there for you in terms of the breadth of the different roles and responsibilities within service management. Um, so Chitra, let's move on. We'll take our next question. Question from Steve. How much IT service management do DevOps engineers need to know? Suresh? Well, I think I'm, I'm loving this question because every time I speak with someone in DevOps, they say, what the heck is IT service management? And we don't need it. We, we are all good with that. You can never do some of these stuff without understanding the basic of service management. So one of the things is we have to educate the development team about the value of service management and they cannot be in silos. There is a general gradual fitment needed. And if you don't pick that, you cannot make this stability really work uh, well. So it would be absolutely foolish to think that IT service management is not required for DevOps. Okay, thank you. Stefan? Um, I think they... um, just to agree with, with, with Suresh, it's the same happens to me, speak to them. Um, they need to know the principles 
IT, um, which um, IT service management, which is incident and problem change management in particular. They don't need an idle certification either. They really don't need that. But what they need is to understand those principles um, because DevOps is also not just about technology, it's also about behavior, it's about organizational change in there. But for the principles, of, this is, by the way, an example where FITSM or IT for IT fit much better than, than this huge overloaded item. Okay, thank you very much indeed. And Johan, last thoughts on this? I think that you must just remember if you automate a process that's broken, you're going to get chaos all the time. That's what I see with many of the DevOps implementations. And those principles that we need to, to, to get in place to make the processes work before we automate them, they're all service management principles. Absolutely. And um, it's one of the things that you know we can pick up from other methods and other approaches is to consider in our organizations, you know, is this fix something that we could pilot in some way? And if you pilot something, you need to set out with the end in mind. You need to measure whether it's effective or not as a solution before you begin that scaling. Now, to Johan's point, you know, we see this all of the time, don't we, in our own personal interactions with organizations that reach out to us either through e-commerce or as uh, part of their service delivery to automate the process. I had a lovely one recently where, um, you know, my doctor's surgery invited me to, to, to go for a vaccination that I, I'd already had. <laughs> so it's just things like that. You just need to think about, you know, a little bit about those uh, uh, moments of truth, you know, when you're considering evaluating um, a solution before you put it into the uh, machine learning and the scaling and the automation side of it. All right, very good. Thank you. We've got time for, I think, two more questions if we move quickly. So uh, let's press on to Chitra. We'll take our next question. We have a live question that's coming. Question from a father, Dahodwala. How does DevOps and customer experience go hand in hand? All right. So really interesting question for the panel. Mark, start us off on this, if you would. Depends very much how what you what you mean by DevOps, because it, it can have a very small scope uh, deployment of software from development to operations, in which case the the user, the customer doesn't really know much. It can. But some people see DevOps as much broader. If you focus on that smaller uh, deployment oriented area. You could compare DevOps with DHL. Now they ship packages efficiently and and reliably, but they're not really interested in what's in the package. So it's not about the functionality. Um, in that case, I think there's less less um, uh, emphasis on customer experience. Thank you very much, and Suresh. So the customer experience is what we should focus. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether it's DevOps, it's service management or lean. So our focus is on customer experience. So any product or service that is being deployed, is it actually doing the fit for purpose or fit for use? If you know that point very clear, then DevOps is trying to balance velocity and stability. So they, you have to get the why part of it, then the rest of things will follow automatically. And I like what um, Mark said, you need to understand where you fit in and then try to see what is the scope within which you're trying to relate to that equation? And it will all fit in well. 
Yeah, and I would certainly say, you know, if you're involved in, you know, service management organizations or in DevOps and so on, it's a really kind of great, you know, view to have. Broaden that view and ask those fundamental questions, you know, because somebody else might not have done. Okay. They might be thinking right. in a more blinkered way. So add some value there. Very good. Thank you. Um, so Chitra, we'll take our last question, please. Question from Ben in Canberra. How can I keep learning and staying relevant in an ITSF career? Okay, this is a, a constant challenge for us. We're all busy people. How do you bring lifelong learning to become a reality? Uh, Sunil and then Suresh. Well, uh, I would say be curious. Uh, I think Johan talked about problem solving. So be curious. Um, there are lots and lots of stuff available on APMG side, on various other sites. Study the blogs. There are success stories loaded. That's what I do. I do keep updating myself by reading those blogs, uh, and they're amazing. I mean, some of the panelists write some amazing blogs and videos. Uh, just watching them, there's a lot of learning happening. Okay, thank you very much, Stefan, and then Johan. Well, and. I, I agree with Sunil, be curious, um, but also bring an aspect uh, because this is becoming more and more important is, is the, the personal interaction, people to people uh, communication, um, where there's automation and, and all these processes um, um, that, that may, may more or less work on their own. We know this from the, from the uh, business relationship management. It's very important in the future when you want to keep learning. Just don't concentrate on material and stuff. Concentrate on behavior and on interaction. Mm, really good advice there. Thank you very much um, indeed, Stefan. Johan, final thoughts on this? Um, final thoughts for me is become part of a unity. Um, for me, one of the most wonderful things about my career is if it wasn't for the community that I belong to, I wouldn't have ended up doing what I'm doing and I'm loving what I'm doing. So if there is an ITSMF in, in your country, join. If not, find a community where you can learn from others and also help others to learn. Thank you very much. And Suresh, I think I, I ask of you. So uh, let's, let's hear from you your thoughts on this one. I think this the, the the meeting and conferences is so valuable. Um, these sessions like this are going to be important because I think we need to go away from reading books to actually having that personal conversation that Stefan said. I mean, that's how you build a relationship. You build an understanding of the whole ecosystem. So continuous learning comes in with being uh, focused on these conferences and meetups and just get out and talk with people. You learn a lot more than books. Excellent. I completely agree with that. Thank you very much. Um, so great thoughts, panel, um, and uh, some great questions actually today from our audience all around the world. So whether you were in Australia or New Zealand, uh, whether you were listening from Vietnam or from uh, Thailand, whether you were making your contribution from Africa or Europe, um, then we thank you very much actually for all of your thoughts and all of the questions that you've been putting in. Uh, it's been a privilege to be with you for this hour. So let's take our closing remarks uh, from the panel. Stefan, we'll come to you first and then we'll go to Johan. Yeah, <clears throat> well, 
in just just to summarize and i think it's suresh and and johan made a very good point in the end it's that it is become part of the community it's the community that's um that's actually giving you the food for your thoughts to move on and sharing examples we have um maybe we have lost this so we can see at itsmf that there is more um <clears throat> More people are coming back, although it's it has become some kind of unfashionable to be, be a member of an association. Um, this is going to change. Uh, so Neil, I hope you can you, you see the same at, at ITSMF in India. Are we seeing that people are coming back because they they need that? Thank you very much indeed, Johan, and then Mark. I'm going to do a quick quote from Alvin Toffler. The illiterate of the 21st century is not those who cannot read and write. It's those who can't learn, unlearn, and relearn at a rapid pace. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, um, Johan. Really inspiring that. I'll uh, make a little note of that, that one myself. So thank you for that one. Uh, Mark and then Suresh. Well, continuing on the uh, on the quote theme, I'd like to quote Dr. Christina Maslach, who specialised in burnout. One of the questions from I think it was from Brisbane. Um, we talk about people having to be resilient, uh, but she counters that. She says we don't want more resilient canaries; we want less toxic mines, which I thought was quite a clever <laughs> one. Okay, very good. So less well, less toxic workplaces. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, very helpful. Uh, Suresh and then Sunil. So breaking into service management is a theme. So as people who are entering into this things, be assured that you are in for a roller coaster ride. So you, you, you start with service management, but you don't stop in service management. But it's becoming an integral part of your thing. So have this continuous learning, curiosity and inquisitiveness, and you are set to rock the whole show. Perfect. Thank you very much indeed. Sunil? Sorry, we can't hear you, Sunil. Yeah, uh, my thoughts are um, use ITSM as a base and the foundation to move up uh, in your life. Um, keep learning. So be curious is one of our mottos. Keep learning, keep reading, whatever you can get, uh, keep acquiring. And last thing I think I also heard from the panel is dare to share which is you should probably share your knowledge to other folks, uh, to communities. Uh, and I see that not happening so often. Uh, and I think that's also the reason people are coming back because they want to learn more and they want to probably share more uh, to put it back into the community. So these could be my takeaways as well. Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Sachita, a great job today navigating our way through uh, all of the different questions. The shows ultimately are always driven by the viewers. And so we get to talk about what it is that they want us to talk about. Um, so your closing remarks for today. I agree, Nick. Uh, it's driven by the audience and we've had very questions. So we definitely should revisit this topic and theme again and address more questions. So thank you to the panel right. once again.
Okay, thank you very much indeed. Thanks very much indeed, panel. Great job. I'm sure if you're watching, you've been inspired by our panel today. And if you're getting value from the content, please do leave a comment below the video and help spread the word by liking and sharing the video with your own personal network. Coming up this Friday on the 25th of February, 2 p.m. GMT, we're going to be looking at how to build a culture of agile change in your organization, certainly a hot topic of the moment. Um, next week, episode 44, we're going to turn our attention to how to engage with stakeholders. And in 45, we'll be exploring the key skill of how to build better business cases, something which is really needed across organizations. So definitely three events to tune into and put into your calendars. Subscribe to the show. Go over on YouTube. Just subscribe to the channel and we'll send you a personal summary of what's coming up and how you can join us here on the panel and level up your career with APMG. Thanks very much, everybody, and we'll see you on the next show.